Lord, thank you for, again, your word. And even those times where we find ourselves a, a bit uh, confused or are not seeing clearly, we know and trust that your Holy Spirit's teaching us and, and we can rest in that fact. And so, Lord, help us to continually uh, open ourselves and avail ourselves to what your word says. But, Lord, at the same time, we ask that uh, we would grow in our faith and encourage one another to grow. Uh, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that it's active and it's working and uh, that we get to be part of the process as you work it into us. Work it out of us, too, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, 7 through 19. Um, anybody willing to read that large portion? If not, I'm happy to. But I'll give you, give you the chance. So, the, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not burden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. For your ancestors tested and tried me. Through the 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Be encouraged, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if, your heart, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? They were not all those most were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if they did? If not to those who will disobey. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their disbelief. Okay, thank you. So that's a lot of a big chunk there, but it all needs to be uh, held together. What are some of the, you know, so we have the bookends, right? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. And then the second time you hear it kind of gives some, some clarification, uh, just in case the Hebrew mind was con confused or not sure what rebellion the author's talking about. They explain it clearly um, as the wilderness. So what are some initial observations besides that? On verse 12, mine it says, uh, beware, brother. So it's a, it's a I, I wouldn't say just a warning. It's a, a, a dire warning, a, a admonition of, of, you know, beware lest uh, there be anything evil, heart of unbelief. But I was going to say that most people I've talked to over the last 50 years of, of the thing with there, the unbelief, there's always an excuse of hurts, wounds, life, parental instructions, uh, lack of, uh, I mean, unbelief just doesn't happen. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's all, you have the carnal nature, but I mean, it seems to be turbocharged uh, uh, okay. by just life. Well, a better, a better translation of that, so, so some say take care, yours says beware, is pay attention. Pay close attention. 
Um, so again, what does that mean? It means that you're, you're watching, you're looking to see if people are unbelieving, if they are evil. Um, and, and again, sometimes in our, especially our Western culture, we kind of leave each other alone, right? And, and this would indicate don't do that. Now, that doesn't mean we go in and we start poking and prodding and tell everyone what great sinners they are. Um, but what it is, is do you believe, right? Make sure people hold, encourage one another in that belief. Okay? Anything else? So, I mean, the Hebrews would, would be pretty familiar with this because this mm-hmm. is a psalm, right? Psalm 95, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this would be familiar. Um, yep. So they would have heard this before, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not, not an uncommon theme in the Jewish religion is to do not harden your hearts, um, which you see the language in, um, in the Exodus of Pharaoh, hardening his heart, hardening his heart, hardening and finally the Lord gave over and, and solidified it. Um, so. so how do these verses explain the problem with all of mankind? <laughs> okay. Well, it's just, you know, it just repeats itself, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We, we sin, we're given hope and salvation, we sin. It just is cyclical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see um, this idea of God being angry, and He's angry at unbelief, not necessarily at the people. Now, obviously, we know that there's a judgment, but, but what, he, what God is angry at is sin. Um, I think often we look at the fact that sin infects people and people choose sin over God. And so God, because he's a just God, has to judge. And we look at it as, as God being angry at them. He's not necessarily angry. Even when you look at him giving himself, uh, Pharaoh, over to the hardness of his heart, he gave Pharaoh time after time after time to churn because that's his heart. He wants people to believe. He wants people to turn. And so he's angry at the sin. I mean, he's not happy that sin entered the world. Now, we can sit there and go on a big philosophical debate and never get anywhere. Well, if he knew that was going to happen, then why did he create man with the capacity to rebel? Well, that's neither here nor there, right? The fact is he did, and this is what we're, what we're dealing with. I don't want to say what we're stuck with, but it is what we're stuck with, Right? The, the, the fact that we have the tendency to rebel over follow the rules. Um, I, and you can take how many of you perfectly stop at every stop sign? How many of you perfectly follow the, the speed limit? How many of you wear your seat belts all the time? How many, uh, you know, just we just go on and on and on and go, well, those are, those are, I don't need to stop all the way in the middle of the night when I don't see anybody else coming. I can just roll right through it. Um, you know, so we can look at all these things. It's just the natural bent of us to break the rules or to bend them or to push them as far as we go. And if you have any doubt, just take a look at a two or three year old child or then go to a teenager. Um, you know, our, our desire is to always push the limits of what we are told we're supposed to. Our society right now is in great turmoil because we're always saying, well, who says? Who says I have to be this way? Um, And so their rebellion turns into what we would consider um, at times utter nonsense, right? Like, (laughs) 
It's just, if you, but it's born out of that desire to rebel. Um, don't, no one's going to tell me how I have to be. And again, this was infiltrating the church. I know it doesn't infiltrate our church at all, so we're very thankful. But we need to know. I've heard that it does at other places. So, so, but we need to realize that this is just the human condition, is that we don't want to fall in line. Connie. Okay. But if we're told time and time again, don't you think that at some point you listen? No. Hmm. So one of the things that I've shared before, and maybe your parents didn't do this, but I know we did it with our kids, and I'm not recommending this as a good parenting tool, but a couple things we would say is, how many times do I have to tell you? And they would still do it, right? Or, or, or... What part of no do you not well, uh, Right, right. The, the end or right, no. Right. Um, there's the, uh, you know, we would say, well, we'll believe you're sorry when you stop doing it. Right? And so I think that... that um, but those are children. I mean, we're adults. We're children, too. No, we're children. I mean, seriously, we... we uh, and we need to... But the core issue is... The, the core issue is, is not necessarily child or adult. The core issue is the flesh. That is that has inherited the sinful nature that does two things: it rebels and it forgets. You know, I think of of. Um, Isn't it that we just get the adults get complacent? Like, like it said that we were, you know, or you said it, one of the two. Either I read it or I heard it. <laughs> um, that. Uh, they, he forgives us of our sins, and we're all we're joyous, we're happy again, and then pretty soon everything gets complacent, right. and then we fall into sin again, and he comes back and we get out of it again. It's just a circle, Yeah. but it's that we get complacent. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's so I would, I would liken it to this, um, and it's probably bad. So the drug addict knows they shouldn't take drugs. They know it's damaging to them, but they do it. The, uh, the smoker says, I want to smoke because I want to smoke, even though I know this is shortening my life. Um, take just now, go simple to healthy eating, right? I know this is better for me if I don't eat this, but I really, I really want that. And, and so I think that, again, it's one of those things where um, it's interesting because we know the, the, the statistics on smoking. They've been, they've been very clear, but yet smoking is at an all-time high. It, it, because because of the rebelliousness, if you include vaping in that, it, it because of the rebelliousness of I, I want what I want. So, I, the question is: is what is sin? Now, uh, you used uh, going through stop signs and all that sure. kind of stuff. <clears throat> well, you know, during the nineteen seventies, the speed limit on the interstate was fifty five or sixty. Now it's eighty. Right. Who are we sitting against? The, the government or what? If you're are we going, sitting if we go 85? Well, that's between you and the Lord, but I would say what yes. You're, you're breaking the law, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you're breaking the law. And so again, when we look at, when we look at, at Romans 13 and then uh, Paul saying that we're to be subject to the governing authorities, well, they've put those things in place. Now, can you break that law? Absolutely. But guess what? You might get a ticket. Yeah. Right? Well, I understand that. So that, that's a consequence of your choice to rebel against the, the, the law that had but been put in place. Sin. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
unfortunately. That's why we need Jesus. You're like, uh-oh. You're like, change, change my cruise control. Well, I think, 80, I, I think if you go 83, they, they give like a three-mile, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> but again, but that's the nature of us to always go, well, I can go that fast. Or, I, you know, it's just, well, okay, it's just who we are. We're not talking about speed limits. Gossiping. No, don't, 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 don't talk about that. Yeah. No. That's <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. Gossiping is a sin. It's just a prayer request. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'll remember that. <laughs> you know, we were going to point over there, I thought it was good over there in the speed limit. But I remember that one evangelist coming to me says to the churches, "What about your attitude, actions, words, thoughts? This stuff that nobody sees. You know that that inward rebellion over there. I find it every day. I don't have to worry about it. I'm struggling with my my own yeah. heart every day." Well, I think what the author here is saying is that we are and mankind is in their very nature that is in the flesh rebellious. Amen. And so there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit for those of us who are in Christ. Now. I'm not going to sit there and go, you're not saved if you go 85 miles an hour. I mean, that's not the issue. The issue, that's between, yeah, do you have, is there grace for you to do what, to do that? Absolutely. Paul says everything for the Christian's permissible, but not everything's profitable. So, you know, like we, you know, not everything's going to be great for us if we do it. Can you do it? Are you saved? Has the blood of Jesus covered all of that and removed it? Absolutely. Is it beneficial? Eh, probably not. Maybe some of it is. I mean, there's some laws I would agree with that we don't want to get too political that are probably dumb. In fact, there's a lot of laws, if you look at the books, that, are, that no one pays attention to anymore that were made back in the 1800s that, that are not appropriate for today. And so, uh, you know, anyway. So, well, what's interesting is in 1970s, it was a sin to drive 75 miles an hour, and now it's not. Right. Yeah. No, fair enough. But again... It, it, it was because that was the law at the time. Now the law changed. Again, we're subject to the governing authorities. Again, it's probably not a big deal at the 80 miles. The problem is when they have the slowdown for construction. And you're like, why? Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> sure, they're double. Let's, let's test that theory. All right. So let's look at some of these verses <laughs> and understand how this helps us with what the Hebrew author is referring to. So somebody read Exodus 14, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us to bring us, by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt... Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. <laughs> so what's, what's the rebellion there? Not being thankful. It's part of the human condition. What have you done for me today? That's exactly what they're saying. Well, you did. You brought right. us out. But now look. God heard their complaining mm-hmm. after 400 years and said, I'm going to send you a deliverer. They get delivered miraculously. And within a day, they're like, it would have been better for us just to stay back there. They're already, already, yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, it's true. I mean, and it it doesn't take much for us to do that. How about to defend the people, though? I was just going to say, you have to remember, Moses comes over, he has the 10 plagues over there. 
he's revealing, but I mean, these people, they've got a lot of rebellion in their heart. They've got Egypt. Uh, it's just the same way with us, rebellion in our hearts. But the thing is, you got new leadership, and there's a confidence. That's why your pastor or, or the people that are leading you, that you have to have confidence. And obviously, they didn't have a whole lot. When the army, when the actual battle comes down, are you able to engage in war? Uh, that army coming after them, they, they knew that they were in serious trouble. Well, it was new. Let's go to Exodus 15, 22 through 24. Someone read that one, please. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went there for three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, uh, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of the place is called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Okay. So, cross to the Red Sea miraculously, and three days later, what happens? No water. <laughs> They're complaining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you had no water to drink, you would complain, because if you don't have okay. water, you die. Okay. But God shall provide. They right. keep forgetting that part. Well, what's interesting is, Moses has this conversation with God often. God says, they are not complaining against you, they're complaining against me, but they're complaining against Moses. They're blaming us, which is an indication of where their heart is, right? They're looking to a man to deliver them and not God. Um, and, but shortly after, God did all these miraculous things, and they're looking to the man. We don't do that. Um, ex- <laughs> Exodus 16, 1 through 3. They set out from El- Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> okay, so again, they're not happy with how they're being provided for, and so they complain. I think, okay. I think they're remembering badly, of course. Of course. Because they were slaves in Egypt. Right. They weren't exactly well treated <laughs> at all. Sure. Well, they didn't think they were well treated when they didn't have water to drink either. Right. Well, here's, you know, I, I have trouble with contradictions. Okay. Apparently, God did not feel that it was a sin to, to go against the government of Egypt by the Israelites. And apparently is when it's Moses. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, so... I mean, you listen to them because of their complaints right. against Egypt. Right. But looks like he's, or somebody, at least the writings, suggest that that was not the case when they were complaining in the desert. Well, so if you go to um, Acts chapter 4 and 5, I think it's 5, where um, Peter is told at, at, to quit preaching the name of Jesus. And he says to them, to this, so this is the government authority saying... Don't yeah. do that. And he says, it's, it's who shall we obey, God or man? We obey God. So again, it doesn't mean that we 
we always obey, what it means is Peter knew that if he went out and preached the gospel in the name of Jesus, he could be imprisoned and potentially martyred because it was against the government, right? And so you can drive 85 miles an hour to use that silly example, but guess what? You can get a ticket, right? So that, I mean, but here's the question. It always boils down to this. That's assuming the government is correct in saying... We well, okay, right. yeah. But here's in the, other words, that's the argument that you're well, saying. No, no, if the, the argument, government's wrong, it's okay. If it goes against God, then it's okay. Like if the government tells us we can no longer meet, we something we struggled with during COVID, are they telling us we will never be able to meet or can we, are they trying to silence us from preaching Jesus? If they try to silence us from preaching Jesus, that's where we draw the line and say, no, we're not going to follow your rules. We're going to preach Jesus. And we recognize we could be, you know, arrested for it or get fines or whatever. And so, so a lot of the laws we have to look at, Delane, in this way, they're neutral. There's not a, there's not a, you know, it's a, you just know that if you break the law of shoplifting, say, um, you know, well, God does say don't steal. But, <laughs> but if you break that law, you, you suffer the consequence if you get caught. That's all. Um, but when there's a oppressive government, uh, Egypt is a representation of sin and it captivates us. In the Old Testament, we need a deliver from, deliverer from that. God wants to deliver us from the sin that, that we are slaves to. And again, so again, because Egypt at one point in time was the salvation of the nation of Israel. Absolutely. I mean, it was during a famine and Joseph was sent there and he brought his whole family. And then they grew from there to where they were almost more than the Egyptians. And that's where we had the problem. So, Meg, you were going to say something? Well, I was just, God, in my mind, is, is overthrowing or, or taking the power away from an unjust government. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we see that throughout history. Yep. Just, we, yes, we have to obey the government unless it's an unjust situation. Right, like the church in China right now. China says you cannot be a Christian. You cannot worship the Christian God. But yet we still see the underground church flourishing there because they, they won't be told that they can't do that. And, but they know that if they get broken into, they all could go to jail. They know that. Um, but they have rebelled against... Um, again, for the case of, of worship, uh, well, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. Steve, and then Harold. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. I mean, you and, know, uh, where you're, where you're told by the government, you will be killed if you worship God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there are a number of countries today where that is indeed true. 22. Yeah. 22, huh? And, and possibly grown. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, the voice of the martyrs not Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, uh, to Harold's point and, and Delaney over there, I was just going to say that the initial part of that was when Joseph comes down there, he's enslaved, he comes out of Potiphar's house, gets in prison, he saves Israel. The Pharaoh has a dream. God initiates that relationship with Joseph over there and saves Egypt over there with the coming famine. Seven years of plenty, seven years of starvation. And so basically God is blessing Egypt through the nation over there and and then to have that turn around 400 years later and the, the slavery. I mean, God is, God is showing mercy over there to uh, Egypt and Israel. 
Yeah, I know governments don't ever change how people think, but True. 400 years of change in power might change how things go. <laughs> I mean, and so I think that the, the, the thing that we have to look at is God will not be mocked. God um, desires that people worship him freely. And if there is anything in our lives that causes us to worship something other than the one and true living God, God will do what it takes to get us out of that mode. Um, and so we see these pictures over and over again. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 4. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? The people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, again, it's rightly so they're thirsty. We saw, though, previously at the waters of Meribah that, that God said, cast in the tree. We won't get sidelined on, on that um, with the cross and whatnot. And then the waters became good to drink. And so, again, we're seeing the heart condition of the people. Um, and, and, like, God has continued. He, he miraculously, you know, got you out of Egypt. He miraculously got you through the Red Sea. And he miraculously provided you, you know, food at, at manna during, you know, that comes out. He miraculously provided you water at, at Meribah, Amara. And now you're complaining again. And it's like, wait a second. You know, and I know we don't deal with this. Once God's done something, we just hold on to it forever. And we know that he's always going to provide for us. But it's showing the very heart condition of us and of man that, that when we see God provide, and all of us can, can talk about, I didn't know how God was going to come through, and he did. And then six months later, you're like, oh, no, I don't know how it's going to work this time. And, and you, 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 get, you complain, you blame yourself, you blame other people instead of trusting God. And so this is just the cycle that we're seeing. What should have been a 40-day journey became a 40-year journey because of their unbelief, which is what the author of Hebrews is pointing out. Exodus 32, 1 through 6. saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us God who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we did not know, do not know what had become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast of the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, here's the crazy thing. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments are given. And the first thing 
the first and first thing is is to worship the Lord your God only and not to make any images to worship. But they thought a cow would suffice. And if we continue the narrative, Moses comes down and gets a little upset and asks Aaron, "How did this happen?" And he goes, "Oh, they just threw their 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 gold in there, and out came this cow. So we assumed it was it was something we're supposed to worship. You know, we was not you know not like we weren't weren't worshiping God. We just needed something to look at. Um, and you know, we know this account not true. <laughs> he fashioned it. He built an altar before it. And again, God won't be mocked. And but yet, we as a people, Moses was again their their attention was on Moses. If you look at everything, they're grumbling against Moses." And then Moses goes up the mountain, and where is he? Where is he? We don't see him. Where is he? We need to worship something. So Aaron makes something for us to worship. Um, And again, we always settle for less than worshiping God and God alone. Because again, back to the author of Hebrews talking about the worship of angels, saying that's what our tendency is to worship a man, to worship a created being, rather than worshiping the one and true living God. I was just going to say... So what you're telling me, that's mankind at its best thinking, not its worst. Well, I would say that's just mankind at its um, flesh thinking. I I mean, you know, do we have really best thinking without the Lord? That's a different topic. But, um, you know, it's one of those things. uh, Anything that's good in the world is because God has inspired it. Uh, Man does everything man touches in their flesh turns to muck. I'm just looking at at the day and uh, it just uh, looks like stupidity after stupidity and just snowballing and Well, it's nothing new. I can can relate to this, but yeah, stupid. Well, there's nothing new. I mean, we we, we see the condition of the heart of man and flesh without Jesus, without without God at the center, is is foolishness. This was sort of a crowd mentality too, correct? Way because I mean, I mean, maybe Aaron didn't want to do it, but there was a crowd sort of urging him to do something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're, we're, we don't want to wait anymore for Moses to come down. I know we all wait patiently for God to reveal himself and, and we, it can be, you know, several minutes before we get upset. No, but, but, but you know, well, that's, you were, you were really gracious with that. I know. <laughs> uh, and so, but then we see number 16. And so um, we're not going to read the whole thing, but the sons of Korah are upset with the leadership of Moses. And so they go, they try to form a rebellion. This would be a more specific to the rebellion. And, and so Moses, very, uh, with great diplomacy, says, let's do this. Um, let's gather tomorrow and we'll see who God chooses. And then they go warn some people, say, hey, get away from them. <laughs> just, just stand back. And then that next day, God opens up the ground and swallows a whole family group um, and those with the rebellion. So proving, you know, don't mock God and God's servant. Now, again, we need to be careful that we don't take that too far and say, well, if there's someone as the pastoral role, we have to just follow whatever he says, you know, because not every pastor, every pastor should have some good accountability. 
Um, and, and so, you know, we're just part of the, we're part of the team. We, you know, we get to build one another up and help one another. Um, and so not everything that I say is going to be perfectly right. And not every idea that I have is going to be, you know, a home run. And so, you know, we, we want that, that idea to be, to, to grow together. But at the same time, um, I don't take lightly the position that God has placed some of us in as pastors and leaders of churches. Uh, and so we have to go, there's, I don't want to be swallowed up in the ground. Um, not that God does that anymore, but, um, there's certain things that can happen. Uh, numbers 21, four through nine. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Mm-hmm. To nine. Yep. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord for that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it up on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Okay. So um, bronze is the medal of judgment. We see this serpent on a pole in the medical field. Uh, and so uh, it's interesting because there's still an idea of healing. So what do we gain from that of, of, you know, because we can look at that and go, man, God's kind of mean in this, but what is the, what do you think the purpose of this, this is, is showing us in this moment? <laughs> Makes me glad I'm not an uh, Israelite in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Steve. I was going to say, uh, uh, one thing that uh, I caught my attention on, on this particular thing is Jesus makes record. This is uh, the, uh, the serpent the snake that grows up, you know, it, it, the Son of Man will be lifted up too. Mm-hmm. So Jesus makes a, 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 a statement about that, this, this account, this historical account. But I always uh, find it interesting that people, you know, did he really make a snake? Did it really happen? Thing? But when Jesus makes, account, makes a statement of, of the veracity of it, you might want to pay attention. Well, it's no different. I mean, this is, a, this is all a picture of what Jesus Christ fulfilled. You can look throughout the Old Testament and say, oh, this points to Jesus, this points to Jesus, this points to Jesus. This is one of those clear instances. People grumbled, they complained, they suffered um, the, 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 the sin of their complaint, the consequences of their complaint, which in this case was pretty radical. Serpents came and bit them, but they had an out, right? If they would look to the serpent on the, on the pole... They would be saved. And it's not any, you know, now we fast forward to, to us and Jesus up on the pole, taking the curse, crushing the serpent's head, taking the curse upon, of man upon the tree. Um, if we look to him, we're saved. If we don't, 
death is, is our future. Um, and so we see these pictures that God has laid out over and over and over again. And it's very important for us when we look at the Old Testament um, to say, okay, how does this show us the nature, the loving nature of God and his provision through Christ? Right? Because if we don't do that, we'll get caught up in the minutia of some of these other things. Well, if we just, you know, we, we should just follow the rules or I don't like the rules or this rule or that rule. Instead of going, wait a second, there's an issue that God is showing in the Old Testament. And the issue is man apart from re- right relationship with God is doomed to rebellion and failure all the time. That's just what we do. Harold. So... Put the devil's advocate in here. Isn't, isn't, uh, aren't you just lifting up an idol? You're putting a serpent on a pole and you're lifting up an idol. Well, if it's commanded by God, then the question is, is it a foreshadow to Christ? Right? You know, we know the golden calf wasn't because of how God felt about that. But in this case... It was a clear foreshadow to Christ. So the question is this. Looking to Christ then is not looking to an idol. It's looking to God for salvation, correct? No one has that contradictory. I don't like contradictions look on his face. No, that's right. (laughs) They all command Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. But I mean, here we have Moses doing, this is Moses doing God's work. Correct. Right. I mean, it's different than the golden calf. Correct. But I mean, at first glimpse, you think, okay, you're looking to a serpent to be healed or to be saved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A bronze one at that. A bronze, yeah, anyway. And it's it, it, it so. got like this mine in the air, it just filled with bronze. That would do something. Well, there was a lot, they, they, they traveled with a lot of metal. Did they? they? They had a lot of stuff they traveled with. Some. Some uh, historians believe up to uh, 5 million people left. Uh, conservatively, we would say 2 million. Um, and then we see at the, as they exited um, Egypt that all the Egyptians gave them their precious stones and metals and said, get out. <laughs> um, and so they had a lot of resources with them. Uh, and so it's one of those things that... And I would, I would hesitate to to use the word contradiction. And I would say there are inevitable tensions that we have to wrestle with in Scripture. There's just some tension there to go, okay, how is this different, right? How is this different than the calf? Well, the calf was not instructed by God. Um, The calf did not foreshadow to Jesus on the cross. Now, we we would struggle. We would struggle if we say, well, they formed a sheep or a lamb. Now we go, wait a second, didn't that, but they didn't. So we don't have to struggle with that, Whew, right? But again, it's one of these things where we, we do have some tension that we, um, that I think is great. Because if we didn't have the tension, we wouldn't wrestle with it. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't find out the assurance that the Holy Spirit gives us when we wrestle with these things. To your point earlier, though, that, that on a serpent on a pole, one is bronze for judgment. Two, the serpent is a, a sign of Satan or sin. And so basically, uh, one thing I've mastered the, uh, that the Egyptian people did is rebellion, whining, carping. Uh, I'm a victim. I'm being mistreated. You're not. I mean, I, I do that. I, I'm just, you know, 
I just see God saying, oh, you want to you wanna worship rebellion? You want to worship? I'm going to judge it. And it's a symbol of, you know, a visual symbol of the sin in the future coming, but of what yeah. you're doing now. And we see, see certainly a difference between the work of man, golden calf, the work of God lifted up on the serpent. Uh, and, and they had the choice. Look at it, be saved. That we know that some died. Yeah. Well, isn't in our modern life, um, you know, the Catholics have been kind of picked on, I guess, um, for worshiping the crucifix, Christ sure. on the cross, where we see the empty cross, cross because we know he got down and mm-hmm. he was resurrected. But you know, you kind of it, it's a little bit similar. Yeah, yeah, because we can look at the crucifix and go, hey, that's where our sins were paid for and dealt with. And, 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 not, and not worship the cross or the icon on the cross, but go, that's a reminder. But we can also look at the empty cross and go, yeah, but he's risen. He didn't stay on the cross. And so I think there's a tension there. You know, there's a lot of Lutherans that love the crucifix still. I mean, there's a lot of Lutheran churches, Midwest, a lot of them still have crucifix. Um, and that's okay. As long as we don't make that our object of worship, and, is, and it's a tool that reminds us of what God has done. Um, so quickly, let's look back at Hebrews chapter 4.11, and let's answer this question really quickly. Empty cross can do that too. Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it really depends on the person. Yeah. Um, you know, there's people in our congregation who love the crucifix. And there's people who people don't wear crosses that aren't right. <laughs> Christian, you know. So, so how does Hebrews four eleven indicate our need for Jesus? So it says, "As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." Hebrews 4, oh, I'm sorry, 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the the same sort of disobedience. Sorry. Apologize. (laughs) They both talk about rest and we're okay. That was 311, but... So how how does that show us because we're going we're gonna to explore this idea of rest quite a bit more as the, the author does over the next chapter or so. But let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So how is that indicating our need for Jesus? Well, rest to me would mean um, you have Jesus and you're not letting all these other things get in your way. Okay. All we've heard about is all these people crying because they don't have water or bread right. or whatever. Right. But if you in Jesus, then you don't worry about things like that. Okay. Yeah, and we see that how do they how do they escape the bite of the serpent? They look to a foreshadow of Jesus. How do we escape the trials and the tribulations and the depression and the oppression of this world? We look to Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't deal with the stuff of the flesh still, I'm not saying that. But there's a rest and a peace that happens when we look to Jesus, ultimately fulfilled, obviously, when we see him in glory after we take our final breath on earth. Um, but again, if the people of, of, if the Israelites would have looked to God and not to man and not made up all these other things, and, and this is a hard thing for us to understand, but a 40-day journey versus 40 years 
And I know that doesn't speak to any of us. We just get right to Jesus right away. We don't, we don't, we don't you know, mess around with this, wandering around, trying to figure things out on our own, um, and suffering the consequences of, as Steve says, our best thinking, right? So, so I mean, you know, sort of what you're saying is, yeah, they could have entered, they could have headed, headed for the promised land almost immediately, but they rebelled almost immediately, and thus they started wandering. Right. Rebellion kept them from entering, which is no different, right? The rest of the Lord, the promised land, and we know ultimate rest in Jesus, but, but which we'll get to in a little bit. But the whole idea is that we, I think you said it from the beginning, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, this is just sounds like today, you know, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I find that, that the challenge I have with, with us as believers is I'm going to use this term I don't like to, but we should know better. And I would say we not only should, we do know better, but we choose not to. Um, and fortunately, the Holy Spirit says, okay, I'll be patient with you for a little while. And uh, are you ready to listen now? Are you ready to listen now? Okay, I'm ready to listen now, right? So, Lord, thank you for your word and the, the, the tension that's there as we wrestle with it. Um, Lord, you're not confused by it. You've laid everything out and... And so, Lord, uh, we just pray that you would continue to, to work in our lives as we know you will. And, Lord, help us to trust you more, even when we don't understand at times, knowing that you are perfect and have a great plan. In Jesus' name, amen.